0: Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to Episode 59 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and you can follow us on Twitter, the podcast that is at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself on Twitter at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can join our Facebook group, Baseball365. That is where Andrew and I both spend the majority of our time interacting and talking baseball. And we have over 1,800 members. There are plenty of posts every day with things going on with people trying to find leagues, set up leagues, talk about trades, talk about whatever's going on in baseball that day. Whatever it is, there's always a conversation going. If you would like to support the show, leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. And right now, through the end of February, anybody who does that takes a screenshot of them leaving the rating and tweeting it to myself or the Baseball365 podcast Twitter account. Or just send it to me on Facebook Messenger and I'm going to put you in an entry for a Baseball365 shirt. And we've only had a few of those entries so far, or a few of those ratings come in. So, if you do it, you're a you're supporting us, and b there aren't many people who've done it yet. So, you got a better shot. and got pretty good odds of getting a shirt. All right, let me introduce Andrew, my co-host. And today, once again, I've got a question for him. But unlike the previous two times, I don't think I've. I think that's the first time I have not given Andrew the question. I've got a pop quiz. And it's a baseball-related one, Andrew. Let me open up my phone. I got my notes in here. Something I heard from MLB, I think MLB Now, the show on Friday. And here's question number one. It's a three-parter. Andrew, how many new managers are there in baseball this year after Boston hires a new manager?
1: Uh, Off the top of my head, I'm... Just going to spit something out. I'll
0: say seven. You are three off. It is 10 new managers wow. in baseball. Wow. 20, 20 of the 30 teams are the only, or there are only 20 who came back from last year. That almost feels like NFL numbers. You don't hear that in baseball that often. Yeah.
1: It's okay. A
0: lot. Next one. How many managers? Have had their job for three years. In other words, had their job in 2017. How many managers have had their job for three years?
1: Out of the of the current managers? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say 10.
0: You're close on that one. It's 11. So you're in the ballpark. All right. This is my favorite one. How many managers have had their job for five years?
1: Uh, gosh, I I have to really think. There. I have to really think it through, and I'm not going to take the time to. I'll say three.
0: You got yeah. it. It is three. Can,
1: now the do, better the better thing is, do I know who they are?
0: Yeah. Can you think of one of them right off the bat?
1: Uh Jeez. Um
0: I don't know if I could have gotten one. I might have gotten one.
1: I'm just trying to think through teams here real
0: quick. It's not coming quickly. That's what Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I, gonna spit if them if off. If I
1: looked yeah, if I looked at the teams, I think uh <laughs> I think I would be able to come up with it, but this quickly I'm not going to, so you might as well just uh
0: Bob Melvin said? with the A's. Okay. Kevin Cash with the Rays and Terry Francona with the Indians. I might have only...
1: got I, I might have got Francona, but I was... I would I would not have gotten Kevin Cash. I wouldn't have yes. gotten
0: that one. Yeah. So I would definitely yeah. wouldn't have gotten cash. I probably wouldn't have gotten Melvin. And yeah. Francona was the only one that would have been like, Yeah, that's right. But cool. Holy crap, three managers for five years.
1: Yeah, that's that is pretty crazy. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of that time I I know I've said this before at least off air, I don't know about on here, but um we're like if if the team kind of peaks and starts to drop off, the manager's gone. Yep. No matter what, t- you know, I just feel like we've seen that a lot. I felt kind of like that's what happened with Madden. I didn't even really I didn't even really have anything against Madden when he left, you know, but I know a lot of people did. It was just Yep they were just starting to go over that hump and
0: start the slide, you know? So that's when people make moves. The NFL was earlier on this, you know, it seemed like all you had to do was have one bad season. Peyton Manning has that year where he has the neck injury and they go. Oh, and 16, one and 15, whatever it was, they went and the coach gets fired. It's like, what do you expect the guy to do (laughs) with a team with Peyton, with Peyton Manning running? And that's just the way the NFL has been for a decade or two now. Baseball feels like it's starting to become that way. Yeah, definitely. So anyways, we're going to be talking about the second base position tonight and the in following down the NFBC ADP. But before we get into that, there was, there's been some major happenings tonight. And of course, that means I must be talking about Yonder Alonso signing a minor league deal with the Braves, Andrew. Can I get your reaction? Let's talk about this for a few minutes.
1: That's exactly that's exactly what I knew you wanted to talk about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right before we started going on air, I just saw that in the, on Roto World, and I was like, oh, I know how I'm opening this now. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, the big trade that happened tonight that I'm sure everybody knows about by the time you're listening to this, we might even know a lot more than we know now. Mookie Betts has been moved from the – From the Red Sox to the Dodgers, we were talking late last week whenever we recorded the first or one of the outfield episodes about how there was a lot of rumblings. And as we're recording, the news just came broke that Mookie, along with David Price, have been traded to the Dodgers. And before I go on, nothing's set in stone yet. We know that Mookie and Price are going to the Dodgers, and this is what we're hearing being reported. Nothing's been finalized, so... There always could be some changes to this, but from what I hear, the Dodgers are eating most or all of Price's salary. It might not be all of it. Uh, There are some rumblings that they might be keeping. Boston may be paying a little bit of it just to help the Dodgers stay below the luxury tax. But anyways, coming back to Boston, this is where the Twins get involved, actually. This is a three-team deal. The Dodgers are sending Alex Verdugo... Oh, I caught myself this, t- this time. And they're also sending Kenta Maeda to Minnesota. And the Twins are sending flamethrower Dark Gratterall over to Boston. So, again, Boston's getting Graterol and Verdugo. The Dodgers sound like they're getting Mookie and Price. And then the Twins are getting Kenta Maeda. A lot here, Andrew? What's your instant reaction? To all
1: this—it's uh, kind of a lot to digest. I mean, I'm definitely happy as a Verdugo dynasty owner in two leagues, getting him out of the uh, kind of the jumbled mess in LA. The roster resource actually shows him leading off for Boston. Which, gosh, that would be just be huge. Great. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're they're guessing like we are right now, but um, yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of crazy to look at the Dodgers lineup now with Mookie at the top, <laughs> Mookie Muncie, Turner, Bellinger, Gavin oh, likes, Gavin Lux hitting eighth, pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Mookie. He, he was obviously in a great situation in Boston, AL East great lineup and he's going to the NL West Dodgers, but it's also a great lineup, but just because he's getting out of the AL East, does this impact d- your viewing no. on him at all? No, not one bit. I'll, I'm going to only say this. I'm, I'm pretty much with you. I think I was already taking Lindor over bets anyways, but this gives me no pause. I'm taking Lindor over Betts, but I ain't moving him down. So, that's the only thing I'll say. Um, you know, just going from... So, you like
1: you like him less?
0: Uh, I mean, I think I was already taking Lindor over Betts, but I think I feel just a little different. I mean, the slightest, slightest bit, yes. But I'm not moving him down any any further, no. I, I guess you can call that less, but I, I don't even know if that even counts. Maybe a half a spot. I think... I was already thinking between Mookie and Lindor for the what is that, The fifth overall spot, fourth overall spot, and I think this makes it a little easier for me to say Lindor. You disagree?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd still take Bats 4. It
0: doesn't change yeah. anything. Nah, and I don't blame you. It's one of those that I was already thinking about Lindor. But Mookie's a stud, and he's going to still score a crap load of runs in that Dodger lineup. He's gonna be awesome there. And yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't overreact to it by any means. Uh David Price. Actually, we'll go with the second. Nah, we'll go with Price. Never mind. Price is going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. Is I think this is a stock up for him. Do you agree or about even?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's stock up. I think they probably will be able to, you know how the Dodgers manipulate guys a little bit. They'll probably be able to play with it to keep him healthy if they, you know, as much as they can. and yeah, I think it's stock up for Price.
0: Now, if you looked at Price's underlying stats, he was better last year than they showed. In the last two or three years, his ERA versus the Yankees versus every other start. Uh, he, if you take away those Yankee stars, he's been really good for the last few years. And those Yankee stars have just knocked his numbers down and he's going to have to pitch in Colorado, which is not the greatest situation, but yeah, I love this for him. I still, yeah, it's still a win. I mean, yes, considering San,
1: there's San Fran, San Diego, I mean, and uh-huh. his home park. I mean, at least he was all, it was all hitters park. So I don't even think it's like, much of a debate really on
0: that. No. I'm definitely moving him up drafts. I already really liked him at his price. I've only had one draft so far, the Rotomasters draft and hold league that we talked about with Chris Wender. And I did get him in that draft. And yeah, I think I'll continue being aggressive trying to get him, but unfortunately I think a lot of other people will be too. And then there's Verdugo. Um like you said, that looks really nice with the idea of him hitting a top of that lineup. And even though he's a lefty, when you look at his numbers versus lefties, he's not been bad. He hit for a real high app really high average. I think I was looking before we went on air and it was like a three twenty three twenty batting average versus lefties. I'm trying to pull it up again right now, but he was yeah, three twenty seven versus lefties with two home runs and hundred at bats. So not as much power, but bat- batting average was still pretty solid.
1: Yeah, just a small sample with him. So, yeah. But yeah, he. I think Verdugo is the winner in the entire mm-hmm. deal. Yes. Maybe you could argue Maeda, too, just because he should definitely be in the rotation as opposed to maybe being in it, you know? So,
0: um,
1: but yeah, definitely stock up for those
0: guys. What do you think about that? For the twin side, giving up my bruised our Gratterall and getting Maeda.
1: I think it's fine. I've never been that big on Gratterall. I think he's a reliever. I mean, he might be a starter, but I just think that uh, there's a good chance he's a reliever. And I think Maeda's pretty
0: underrated. So, Agreed. Yeah, I agree.
1: I think it's fine.
0: Do you know Kenta Maeda? In 2016, when he came over, signed an eight-year, $25 million deal. I did not know that, no. He is signed through 2023, and he's making basically $3 million a year. That is a great gift for the Twins. Yeah. For giving up Gratterall. So they even still have him for four more seasons. So, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's I do, a great...
1: I do think that Gratterall could be a good... uh even if he's a reliever, I think he could be a dominant reliever.
0: You know, mm-hmm.
1: but um, yeah, I thought I thought that part of it was fine. I'm Do looking at. There... Oh no! Go ahead.
0: Do you think there's even a chance that by the end of 2020, Bruce Dark Gratterall's the Boston Red Sox closer?
1: Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance. Yeah, I was yeah. actually kind of thinking that as I was saying it,
0: but it just it kind of they don't have a dominant reliever back on that pin he's an electric arm yeah if if things go right i mean you can't rule it out
1: yeah i wonder if they would try him as a starter first or
0: what i mean they might yeah i definitely i could see them doing it i mean it's too early to tell and i'm by the time we're putting this podcast out there may already be talk of what they're gonna do what they're planning on doing with him or at least trying to do so we might already have the information Moving on, just minutes after that deal was done, the Dodgers made a trade with their team right across town with the Angels, and they sent Jock Peterson over to the Angels for Luis Rengifo. So, Dodgers just clearing slots left and right now after acquiring Mookie. My first reaction to this is, well, I guess that's really good for Pollock. AJ Pollock now has... A more clear path to playing time, and Jock Peterson now is with the Angels, and I guess they got another good bat in their lineup.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, good platoon bat at least, but yeah,
0: yeah, should be in there every day against righties. Trying to pull up their roster resource to see, yeah, they're they got him leading off now, which that's kind of a bummer for Tommy La Stella owners, who that's who they had at the top of the lineup before which all that was fluid but that probably takes the knocks down his chances of hitting at the top of the lineup so that i think LaStella anybody who had him as a possibility that could be a bit of a knockdown but yeah Peterson i'd say that's probably a net just a flat move right
1: yeah yeah i think so
0: hitting right in front of Trout and Rendon still a pretty good spot to be i know he had a good lineup in front of him over there but yeah, that just makes the Angels lineup especially special uh, versus right handers. That just makes them more dangerous. Cause Jock Peterson really can hit right handers. Okay. Any other yeah. thoughts on all this? Or do you I uh, uh, actually I've got one last thing. Luis Rangifo. Do you have any thoughts on him as a prospect?
1: Uh no. I was gonna mention one thing with uh I think it's maybe a downgrade to Dustin May, which kind of bums me out, but mm-hmm. With Price going there, I don't know. Maybe not a huge, I guess, because they're kind of just swapping Price and Maeda. But yes, I feel like Price is a clear lock to be in the rotation, whereas Maeda wasn't. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a downgrade for May. Kind of sucks. I've got a redraft share of him and kind of excited about him, but I'm sure he'll still get in there some.
0: Uh, it was a year ago that the Dodgers traded away, I think it was Matt, I, wasn't Matt Kemp in that deal too, Yasiel Puig and Rich Hill. They sent them all to the Reds. I think Kemp was in that deal. I don't remember for sure. And they got back Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs. And at the time, it just, you know, they got some okay prospects and gave up some major league veterans that they just didn't even need anymore. And we saw what happened to Josiah Gray and jeter downs both of their stocks shot up this past year i can't help but wonder just because that everything that dodgers seem to put their hands on turns to gold i can't help but wonder if they saw something in ringifo and that's why they made this deal but i don't know i guess we'll see if there that was it or if this was just a clearing a spot because they brought brought some pieces in
1: yeah i think he's probably a utility guy but we'll see i mean it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be tough for him to be much more than that on this team i think
0: you say that now he's gonna he's gonna be um Derek jeter here in about a year you just see <laughs> <laughs> okay uh let's take a quick break here and we'll get back and we'll jump into the second base preview <laughs> Okay, Andrew, we're talking second base here. And my first question for you, looking at the position as a whole, what are your thoughts on it? And second question is, what is your draft strategy for second base this year?
1: Uh, I like – I, I kind of like it, actually. I like the guys at the top. And then if uh, if I don't get one of those, I think it does drop off some, but there's some – Guys a little bit later that have some upside, so I'd probably be inclined to wait if I didn't get one of the top,
0: uh, I'd say like seven or eight. Yeah, I I feel the same way in terms of I, I really like the top five guys when you're looking at the ADP, and but there are a lot of people that think that it's a weaker position moving down the list, and while I'm not saying I love everybody going down the list, there are guys I like. And a lot of different slots moving down second base to where I feel like I'll take one and I, as we'll get to, I feel like I'm taking a third baseman a lot in the third rounds of these drafts. I think maybe every every draft I've done, I've taken a third baseman in the third round. And uh, and that's including Mox. But there's also plenty of guys moving down that I kind of like here.
1: There's a lot of dual eligible guys in
0: here, too. So Yes, there are. And some of them we've talked about so far, and some of them we haven't. Uh, We'll start off talking about the 2019 ranks just one year ago and see what's changed and what hasn't. And here's your top 10, Andrew. Jose Altuve was going right around the wheel at 14th overall, and also going on the wheel with him is Javi Baez, who doesn't have position eligibility there anymore. Witt Merrifield was... 32 overall. He's the third second baseman off the board. 30 picks later, Ozzy Albies went 62. And with the same ADP, Glaber Torres was at 62. Then sixth overall, Jonathan Villar at 71. And then we got Daniel Murphy at 80, at number seven. Travis Shaw is number eight. D Gordon is number nine. And Scooter Jeanette is number 10. So, Andrew, what's your reaction looking to that one?
1: list uh the top six look pretty good and the bottom four look really bad
0: (laughs) that is correct (laughs) holy crap the bottom half second base if you waited on that position and you were getting one of these back halves of back top 10 guys man that went rough and you and i know we loved murphy going into last year and that didn't go well uh i heard you know uh, scooter Jeanette was ju- just had his second really good year in a row so people were buying into him a little more same for uh, Shaw they, they had had a little bit of a run of good success and those went bad D Gordon yuck yeah okay well let's move into the the number one player this year in drafts and that is the young one with the Yankees Glaber Torres who also has shortstop eligibility. He's the first second baseman going with an ADP of 28. So he's going near the end of the second round. And the odds are that Glaber's not going to be second base eligible at this point next year. TD Gregorius is gone and Glaber's back at shortstop. DJ LeMay at second, which was his position Glaber. That was his set position coming up through the minors. The dual eligibility will be nice for drafts though. And Glaber, showed big improvements last year. His batting average rose a bit to 278. That was just a slight move. But home runs and RBIs or runs and RBIs were in the 90s, and his power jumped significantly from 24 home runs last year or two years ago to 38 just this past season. And now Glaber's the top option in NFBC ranks over Jose Altuve. So Andrew is he the clear top second baseman for you in redrafts? Are you taking him with no hesitation, or are you taking somebody else?
1: No, I wouldn't take him first. I actually, when you sent me this, I was surprised to even see mm. that he was first. I didn't even know that he was. Yeah. Um, no, he'd be third for me. Um, I do, I mean, he's obviously really good. I mean, lots of power, 38 homers last year, 19 in the first half and 19 in the second half. So, you know, good split there. It's pretty much as good on the road as he does at home, which, you know, you kind of wonder about the guys in Yankee stadium. I think the, I think the, uh, the main thing for me, I guess, the reason I wouldn't take him here is I just don't think it's like a real unique profile. Because he's just power-heavy and no speed, really. And from a middle infield position this early in the draft, it's just not the way I want to attack it. It's nothing against Glaber. I, I think he's awesome, you know. But, um, yeah, it's just not for me at this price. I'd rather have two other guys on the list before him. So, the second-base shortstop, that is nice. So,
0: But it's the speed it's the lack of speed. And yeah. I get that. Do you know where roster resource has him hitting in the lineup this this year right now? Third. Yeah.
1: Only cuz i I'm, I'm looking at it.
0: I'm surprised. I just I saw him hitting low in the lineup or fifth or sixth a lot of the time and I just didn't expect to see him in the 3 hole. But yeah,
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, I mean, if he was the number one guy. You know, I mean, he pushed 40 home runs. Mm-hmm. I have a share of him in Dynasty. I'm glad I do. I like him. I just, yeah, there's just a couple other guys I like more that have more speed. I just think that you kind of need it. I, I feel like this high in the draft, you kind of need, with your hitters, you pretty much need average or a lot of speed and i'm not sure he gives you either i think his average will be fine but he's not like elite in batting mm-hmm. this is what i'm trying to say so just that combination there in this draft slot is probably not for me but i think he's fine like in the third round this is actually back in the second so um but yeah just a couple
0: guys i like more yeah I th- i can't argue that what about dynasty uh, do you think he's the top dynasty option, or would you rather have one of the other guys that you were just mentioning? Uh,
1: that- he'd, he'd probably be second for me.
0: Okay, I'm a. I'll we'll get to number one, I guess, whenever we get to the player. Then
1: yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about
0: him when we get there. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll move on to number two, going five picks later, and that's Jose Altuve. And Jose missed time again last year, only playing in 124 games after playing five straight seasons with 150 50 games played plus in the, before the last two seasons. Now, he's missed some time each of these last two seasons. My question for you, Andrew, is this worrisome? Or, and Could this be the beginning of a trend of his body starting to take, break down? Or... Would you? Is this something you'd be worried about? Let me just ask it that way.
1: Uh, No, not really. I I think that um, some of that's a little bit fluky. Uh, Altuve's fine. I I did do his um, his splits. Like oh yes, with the the Astros hitters. So last year, two hundred sixty-two plate appearances at home, two eighty-six on the road. So pretty close. 306, 372, 608 at home, 291, 336,
0: 500 on the road. Clearly worse on the road then. Yeah, <laughs>
1: 159 WRC Plus with 18 homers at home, 119 WRC Plus with 13 oh. homers on the road. Um, I was actually trying to pull up his career splits and I and not doing it. So, uh, but yeah, no, you know, one thing I found was 21 homers in the second half. Only Suarez, Soler, Cruz, and Pete Alonso hit more home runs in the second half than Jose Altuve. Thought that was kind of crazy.
0: Little man uh, going yard. Yeah. 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 Career
1: is splits are, they're not too bad. They're pretty close home and away. Slightly better at home, but not. Not anything too crazy. So
0: But honestly, you would expect that because with that small Crawford box in left field, that just feels like it's built for a Jose Altuve. To where yeah. I would expect him to have more power there just because of that that not every right. other most of those other AL West parks, they're not conducive for his size and you know, he's not I wouldn't think I wouldn't think that like he's this huge power monster i think a part of it is because of where he plays three huh. uh
1: three three fifteen career hitter i mean obviously you're gonna get a high average floor i kind of wonder how many steals he's gonna contribute these days because mm-hmm. it's definitely dropped off from 32 to 17 to six the last three years um but yeah it's steady i mean he's gonna have pop he's gonna have a lot of High-counting stats, runs and ribbies in that lineup. So, yeah, he – redrafts, he would be my number
0: one second baseman. Okay. I think that's pretty fair because, again, you're getting a lot more steadiness and you should be getting more steals. Now, that said, he was only 6 for 11 in stolen base attempts last year, which that's not good. That's not a good percentage. It's still a small sample. Only 11 attempts is not many, but – who knows, Dusty yeah. Baker's there. He may attempt 35 this year. Dusty <laughs> likes to run.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that he'll probably wind up finishing number one at the position, but he, I think he has the best odds of finishing in the top five.
0: Yeah. So. I can agree with that. Okay, we'll move on to Jonathan VR next. The shortstop second baseman with the Miami Marlins now at 38 overall. And he was pretty good, really good last year. Played in all 162 games. That's just something you don't hear much anymore. And he hit 274 with a 341 on base percentage with 111 runs scored, 24 home runs, and 40 stolen bases. He finished much better than that 71st overall player that he was in NFBC ADP last year. And he was rewarded by Baltimore by being non tendered. But. Miami picked him up, and we spoke before about how if he's going to leave Baltimore, Miami's probably one of the best landing spots for VR. My question now is: at his price, is he a good investment here in the middle of the third round with Baltimore not being his home park anymore? What are your thoughts on that, Andrew?
1: Uh, I don't know if I really like it here. I mean,. Last year, he's the most valuable second baseman. Huge year, 24 home runs, 40 steals. Ridiculous. Um, He should have third base this year, which is a bit interesting just because second base, third base, eligibility. Obviously, you're not getting speed from third base or corner infield in general. So, I think that that versatility could actually help you quite a bit if you're trying to just stack speed. uh expected batting average of the last three years two twenty nine two thirty one two forty nine So, I don't know. I just wonder about like his counting numbers, this terrible team, the offense in general. Uh, last year was a ceiling, I feel like. I mean, that's pretty clear. I, I don't even really feel like that needs to be said, but steamer projection is the ninth best, uh, ninth best second baseman, and he's going off the board third. So, I don't know. I it really just depends on how much you believe in it and how many steals you think you'll get. I mean, the counting stats, I don't think they're going to be very good. So. I don't know. I'm kind of in between because I get it. I get that steals are hard to find, but I feel like this kit, pick could burn people too, especially in this spot. I've, I've always kind of liked VR, but I don't I don't feel like this price. I mean, last year when I liked him, I think he was going in round six. Now he's going in round three. So just a bit different, but um, I definitely like the environment in Baltimore more than miami as far as for hitters and stuff so not sure i'm in on it here but i get it if you are i mean he definitely has a lot of speed
0: so we're doing shortstop on our next position podcast i'm gonna do a him or him here that i did not put in the notes i went and looked and their adps are less than two picks apart who would you rather have jonathan vr or Adalberto mondesi if you're on the clock in the third round Neither works uh, probably VR Okay so you would still go VR over Mondesi Yeah Mondeson. a lot
1: a lot to do with the uh, I haven't looked into it lately actually so I would maybe change my mind after I read the news but uh, just the in- injury Mondesi had and uh-huh. I know that, I know there was talks of it affecting him I believe it was his shoulder right
0: Yes, they were telling yeah. him not to slide in September when he was out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I'd
1: go VR. But, but probably,
0: probably neither are going to be on your team then because you're saying you don't feel great about VR there. And and yeah. I think these next couple second basemen, you'd probably rather have than him. At least one of them I'm pretty confident, and that's the next one. Ozzie Albies with the Braves at number 40 overall. And Ozzy finished 2018 a year ago when we were talking about him. He was hit. He hit in the lower half of the Braves lineup in that second half due to his 305 OBP that season. And he started last year down there in the order too, if I remember correctly. But an improvement in the OBP, t- yeah, an improvement in the OBP department, going from 305 to 352 may have contributed to Albies getting moved back to the top of the lineup. And Ozzy had a great season. He finished with 24 home runs for the second year in a row, but this time with a much better two hundred ninety five batting average to go with that three fifty two on on-base percentage. He stole 15 bags and once again scored a little over 100 runs. It isn't too crazy to have Albie, Albies as the number one second baseman in redraft or dynasty leagues, is it? i you may actually be about to tell me he is.
1: If it's crazy, then I'm crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd have him. I would have Albies at one in dynasty of these guys and two in redraft. I would take Altuve ahead of him in redraft. Okay. Uh, Just turned 23. Last two years, he scored 100 runs both years. 24 homers and 14 steals one year, 24 homers, 15 steals. The next year hit more line drives last year, walk rate slightly up, K rate slightly down, 70 grade speed. I don't really know what there is to dislike about this guy, but I feel like a broken record when it comes to talking about Ozzy Albis. Don't say I didn't warn you when he's taking another step forward. I just think it's gonna happen that. The lineup is good. It's just all set up for this guy. He can do everything. And I think he's just going to keep pushing forward and keep getting a little bit better. So I definitely like him. I I think that he has a ceiling to be a first or early second round pick.
0: Yeah. I think the steals have got to get up there a little more to get there. And I don't, I've said this before. I don't understand why he doesn't run more. He steals at a very good percentage. He, I, I, He's hitting at the top of the lineup where people are usually more likely to run at the top of the lineup. Yet he continues going out there and stealing 14, 15 bases. And I continue thinking there's another level there, but maybe we'll see it. And maybe this is the year he does it. I feel a lot better about Ozzy than I did a year ago, that's for sure. And moving on to the next guy, Keston Hira at number f- the fifth second baseman off the board at 42 overall. So we're moving to the end of the third round. And he had a heck of a season in the power and speed department last year. After hitting 13 home runs and stealing 15 bags in 123 games in 2008, 2018, Hira's power exploded last year. Combining his AAA. And MLB staff, he hit 38 home runs and stole 16 bases in 141 games played. Now, the one worry is the strikeout rate struck out in 30.7% of his plate appearances last year. And if he keeps his K rate anywhere near that high, it's going to be really hard for him to hit 303 again this next year. That 303 average came with a 402 batting average on balls in play. Steamer projects a 271 batting average and personally Andrew I think that's closer to what I'd project what are your thoughts on here overall as the, the player
1: it's funny without even reading your little write-up there I I had written down as my first thing 38 homers 16 steals between majors and minors so <laughs> we both we both had that down but uh yes uh swings and misses a fair bit but it's loud contact when he hits the ball might hit behind Yelich. And I know you've always kind of thrown a little Bregman comp out there with him. And I kind of like that. Um, I think he could at least approach that level. You know, obviously that's high praise, but uh, wouldn't completely shock me. I don't think it should just given his prospect pedigree and stuff. Um, I don't really trust the speed. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to go into it expecting, I don't even know if I'm comfortable with 10 to 12, but I I just wouldn't expect a lot of steals out of him. But I do think he's a good hitter, and he's in a good lineup, in a good park, on the rise. There's a lot to like. I do wonder if he could play some first base, so you might might be able to get some first base, second base eligibility there, just because... I think that infield if he's uh, if he's at second and they're using uh your uh Luis Urias at short at all it's kind of a bad it's a bad middle infield so I don't know how long they would go with that think he could move over but I think his bat probably plays at either spot so and first base is so shallow that flexibility may be nice so yeah, yeah. I think he's fine here I think you like him more than me but I think it's fine I don't like dislike it or anything
0: I was saying earlier that I think I'm getting, I keep getting a second baseman in the third round and it's because of Albies and Hira. I keep ending up with one of those two because both of them, I love getting in that end of the third round. And it seems like one of them is always there. So yeah, I love Hira. I love Albies. I think they're pretty close to the same for me in redraft leagues. I probably trust. I think I trust Albies a little more just because of the K rate. Like I, I Hero must have changed his swing he was hitting 38% fly balls which and it was still in the 33 34 range in the minors so it doesn't seem like it's that much but something changed from his strikeout rate just all the way through uh, like last year in the major in the triple a and in the majors both much higher than is what you saw when he was in single a and double a and yeah that's you're facing tougher competition but that i think there's something more to it than that that rising strikeout rate, and it is something that is a worry
1: yeah the the reason that a lot of times like when I say the stuff I do about Albies and just the reason that I know I I like him more than the field is because I think he's gonna steal 25 to 30 bases at some point soon and because do you ever notice how the only thing that you ever say about his steals is I don't know why he's not running more It's because there's no reason like there's no explanation for it Uh. because he's fast enough to do it. And we all know he is. And he's 23. So it's not like, you know, I would just rather get in on that before it happens, because once that does, I mean, forget it. Like that's it's kind of like the definition of five categories
0: at that point. He's so exciting to watch run around the bases. And the only other guy, like the last guy I really felt that way about watching him run, I don't think I've said this on this podcast or to you privately, was Jose Reyes. I just oh, feel yeah. like they're both, ex- were. Jose was so exciting to watch on those paths when he was young. And yeah. when I see Albies out there, if he's hitting one in a gap and he's running, I get that same excitement I used to get with Reyes watching him run.
1: Yeah, I feel like that those stolen bases are like the only thing holding him back from taking another step forward. I like Hira. I just don't think he has that type of stolen base upside, you know? agree. That's the, that's just the difference for me.
0: So, but I think Hira also has a higher, I would project more home runs for Hira than I would Albies. Now, maybe Albies has yeah. another level, but yeah, I, and I probably would too. I, th- I, I, th- I think the steals I'm agree, I'm in agreement with you on. I wouldn't be projecting 16 steals wouldn't shock me if he did it, but I'd be more projecting to be conservative 10 to 12. So yeah. Okay. Number six on amongst second basements, Keitel Marte at 45 overall. So just a couple picks later, we've already discussed how much we do not like him at that spot on the outfield podcast. And number seven is Whit Merrifield with the Royals, who has second base and outfield eligibility. He's going 51st overall. And we did talk about Whit earlier this offseason on the early NFBC ADP reactions. And I said that Whit's still a really good hitter, but I'm off his bandwagon this year after the dip in steals, going 20 for 30, 20 successful and 10 times caught last year. And that's a big drop off from, I think it was 45 steals the previous year. So, Andrew, we're talking the fourth round. Where are you at on Wit at this price, which is, like I said, a fourth round pick?
1: I'm pulling up. What do you think his steamer stolen bases are? Do you have it in front of you?
0: I am i don't know. have it in front of me, but I'm almost certain I remember it. I think it's we did the 20, 23. 23, yeah.
1: And I'm uh, taking the So with Witt, I really do just, I think it is all about the steals. Like, I think he is what he is besides the steals. And wherever those land, you're talking about a guy that could be crazy impactful or not very impactful at all, just depending on. Because I think he's safe for batting average. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to do what he does with the home runs. I mean, 19, 12, and 16, the last three years, he'll be somewhere in, in that range, I would assume. And runs scored will be good, RBIs be whatever. He He's pretty consistent besides the steals is what I'm saying. Yep. So it just comes down to how much you think he's going to run. I, I will say I think this is the number one guy that is going to be affected by Matheny being conservative on the base pass.
0: That's a good point.
1: I don't think he's going to hold back a guy. And this is me guessing. I mean, I'm speculating here. But I don't think that he's going to hold back a guy like Mondesi, who's just a burner and, like, generates most of his value doing that. He may hold him back some, but I still think Mondesi will give you, you know, a good number of steals, maybe, like, 80 to 85% of what he did. But with Witt, I could see him really holding him back because – or just combining his kind of age and the trajectory he's on with the conservativeness of, of methanium as far as stealing bases. So that's a bit of a worry for me. I'm probably out at this price as well. Yeah. I do have a dynasty. I do have a dynasty share and I'm just, you know, hoping for 15 to 25 steals. But I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure I think he could still do it probably but we'll see on that I mean it's just kind of up in the air
0: yeah I'm definitely out on this price I like with the player he's a fun player but I think the steals are starting to dwindle and that's a good point about Matheny I didn't I hadn't thought about that yet but you have that's a real good point about I could really see for those that don't know or remember Matheny with st louis they were consistently near the bottom of the national league and stolen base attempts he doesn't seem to like to push push runners that way so yeah
1: wasn't it wasn't it colton wong that never stole uh uh-huh or am i wrong on that i could
0: now for for quite a few years colton wong did not run
1: he was last year i
0: think he stole 24 bases i'll pull that yeah
1: yeah, no, he did. It was right about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah his previous right. seasons, eight, six, seven, and then he had fifteen and twenty in the early part of his career. So he stole twenty-one bases in the previous three seasons, and then he stole twenty-four last year.
1: Yeah, the first, one of the first things I remember when I when the Royals got Matheny, and one of the first things I thought of was how it would affect Wit. I just right away thought of that. So just figured I'd mention it, but.
0: Well, I meant to take a break after the top five and forgot. So we'll take a quick break here and then we'll cover up the, or run up. We're not going to run over or cover up. We're going to cover the rest of the top 10. Okay, number 8. We are going to talk about the mini the man of many positions, the man who I think finished second or third on the AL MVP voting. I think it was third. DJ LeMahieu going 64th overall. And he was kind of an afterthought signing by the Yankees last offseason, 2 years and 24 million dollars. And that was probably the most impactful free agent signing last season. He was the MVP candidate for the loaded New York Yankees, hitting 327 with 26 home runs, 109 runs, and 102 RBI, and somehow he managed to leave Colorado and top his power in a new place. That's something you do not hear often.
1: Yeah, uh, man, what a year, huh? I I didn't even really know that DJ LeMahieu was capable of this. To be honest,
0: nobody so. did.
1: Yeah, five, a 5.4 war season with 109 runs scored on 102 RBI. Pretty incredible. Um, I think it's clear that he's locked into the leadoff spot mm-hmm. in New York, which is nice. Hard hit rates trending up the last few years. 322 expected batting average, top 1% in baseball. Uh, He's just kind of a unique player. I mean, first base, second base, third base. Obviously, really good for average, top of a great lineup. I think his power could dip, but you're not really buying him for his power anyways. So even if he hits 18 to 20 home runs instead of 26, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm really not worried about LeMahieu. I was thinking about this last night when I was kind of going through some of these guys. I'm not worried about LeMahieu until LeMahieu isn't leading off for the Yankees. So whenever that comes, I mean, if he's leading off in that lineup, the numbers are going to be there. I know they are. So until he isn't, that I guess that's the point where I'm worried. But 302 career batting average over 4,000 plate appearances, higher than Yelich and Betts' career. So, I mean, it's clear that he's a good hitter. Not the most fantasy-friendly power and speed skills, but he's unique in that he just delivers on the average every single season. So, I don't know. I mean, 64, it's probably about right. I think if it was any later than this, I mean, that's round five. Maybe a little steep. I he went in tonight in Tim's draft. I know we've all been following the labor. Tim's in the labor draft. Tim McLeod and uh, he went in round seven to Sporer. I think he picked tenth. So that would be pick one hundred. I mean, that's great.
0: I love that's it a lot better so. than what I feel about sixty fourth overall. I think sixty four is steep. But
1: yeah, that's yeah going at a
0: hundred, I can get up buy into, and that's the thing, you know, the juiced ball that we had last year, I, I feel like he was one of the biggest beneficiaries for it in the power department. Like there are a lot of guys that, where you think if the ball gets changed, they just dial everybody back 10, 15% and they're going to be what they were. And, I don't know if I feel that way about DJ LeMayhew. If they change that ball, he's one of the guys I could see having the most drastic drop in power. But you're right with what you say. As long as he's leading off, he's going to still be a high batting average, lots of runs scored. But you may finish up with 20 home runs plus steals, 15 to 20 home runs plus steals. And, man, that's where taking him 64th overall, I'm not comfortable doing it. Because of that, I just, I can't rule that out. And I just, I runs are one of the most underrated stats. Batting average is nice to get, but I don't think I'm in on his price at that price. At 100 overall? Okay, that's a different story. If he falls to that level or 90s, 100, I probably could get on board with that a little more. Now, the three-position eligibility is also really nice, especially in draft and hold format. Um, Yeah. So you said 18 to 20 home runs I, so if I gave you that over under steamer projection of 19 home runs you're pretty much saying it's right there about right or you'd have it Well
1: yeah I mean I think I think you get over it honestly I it it wouldn't surprise me I mean he could probably under it too but I think the volume's going to be there he's going to get a lot of at bats and I I just think especially after the year he had last year he has a ton of leash to stay hitting in that spot, you know, where he is. I mean, he's not going to like be one of these guys that loses his job or anything like that, you know? And there are guys spread throughout these lists that you can, like, you don't go into it worrying about that. And then all of a sudden you're worrying about it. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. worried about it with him. I I just know, I just know he's going to do what he does. And I think batting average is, an underrated thing. Like when I s- mentioned things like unique player, unique skill set, a lot of times it's with steals, but this year I've kind of incorporated batting average into that because there's a lot of guys in drafts that you can get late in the draft that don't help you in average, don't run, and just hit bombs. There's a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. And LeMahieu, yeah, he may not, he may hit. I mean, let's say he even hits 16 home runs instead of 26. That's a drop-off. But if he's hitting what he's going to hit for average with the runs, and it's just a unique combination that you're not going to find later on. And you can make up the power later, I feel like. And still have it be possible that the ball is the same and he does comparable to what he did last year, although I would still say it's probably a little bit less. But you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I guess you. I think you're a little higher on him than I am, but, yeah, you you bring good, real good arguments there. Okay, move on to – actually, no, one last thing I want to say. Steamer does have his batting average projection for 285, and personally that feels like one of the safest batting average over and under bets you could make against Steamer this year. I personally would be taking the over pretty comfortably on that. You agree? Yeah, yeah. Yeah just way too conservative there. And I know we hit two seventy six the previous year with the Rockies, but I don't know. I, I just, I'm sticking, I'm definitely taking the over on that. Okay. Uh, Number nine, we got Max Muncy. We've already discussed him on the first base podcast. If you'd like to hear more us talking about him there. And then we got Jeff McNeil, number 10, and he's outfield third base and second base eligibility. I've kept pushing him off and, Time to talk about him. And McNeil did some pretty really similar things for the Mets that LeMahieu did for the Yankees last year, except DJ played in a better parking lineup, leading to more runs in RBI. But Neil hit 318 with 23 home runs last year. So what are your thoughts on him going into drafts this year as he's going in the fifth, sixth round?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if it's... a. Uh... If it's a guy that I'll get, I'm <laughs> I'm happy that I picked him up in a couple dynasty leagues when he came up. I remember being like, "Is this guy legit?" Oh, I'm just going to grab him for nothing, and he's actually turned into a pretty decent player. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of actually reminds me of Wit when he came up. Not the same player, obviously, but just as far as being like a late in their twenties guy that just kind of came out of nowhere to be relevant. Um, but yeah, he's similar a uh, little bit to Lemayhew. I feel like just with like the average heavy profile eligible at second, third and outfield instead of first base, like the obviously the lineup's not as good, uh, similar power though. I feel like I would project them for close in home runs His uh, his pull percentage was way up last year. Thirty-two percent to forty-four uh, percent, and his hard hit percentage is a lot lower than Lemayhew's. But I think there's some similarities there. If you wanted to take McNeil twenty picks after Lemayhew, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't fault you for that. I think it's fine. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm just kind of in the middle on it.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of similarities between him and DJ, but. Yeah, twenty pick difference. That's it. I probably would just take DJ just because of the lineup. Or oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, DJ because of the lineup. Because there's a big difference between that Yankees lineup and the. I mean, hit DJ LeMahieu is hitting in front of Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Glaber Torres. It's
1: just yeah, an in,
0: incredible lineup that he's sitting in front of. And what's McNeil hitting in front of? We got Robinson Cano and Alonzo. Ah, uh, I guess Pete Alonzo. That's That's not terrible. I'd
1: definitely definitely take LeMahieu over
0: over McNeil. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. We'll move on from eleven to fifteen here. We're gonna do these in groups of five going forward for a little bit. And that's Mike Mustakis at 107, discussed on a third base podcast. He's third base number eleven. Eduardo Escobar, second base and third base eligible. And we discussed him on third base episode. Kevin Biggio with the Toronto Blue Jays is at 133 overall. He's number 13. Tommy Edman, the man who we don't even know where he's going to be playing this year. Second base and third base eligible. He's at 134 overall. And I think we talked about him on the third base podcast. And Gavin Lux at 158, the rookie who's or the who's still rookie eligible at 158 overall. So, Andrew... First and foremost, who do you like the most of this group if you're just drafting straight up?
1: Well, Moose. I mean, I just just want to touch on Moose. I know we already talked about him, but just a reminder that he will have second base and third base eligibility. I think people typically think of him as third baseman, and it's just one of those guys. The only reason I'm even mentioning it is if you feel short on power here, and you need that dual eligibility. He's a great pick here. 107. I just I just think it's awesome. I mean, he's, his power is proven. He's going to Great Park. I mean, I think the upside for bombs there is really high. I mean, you, you could argue that of all the second-base eligible players, he is going to hit the most home runs. Or at least be close. Like in the top two or three. So... Just something to keep in mind as you go down your draft. But uh, I would definitely take him over the the other guys.
0: What about Biggio? He's a guy I've been looking forward to hearing your take on because I don't think we've talked about him much. This guy hit 22 home runs and stole 19 bags in 143 games last year between AAA and the majors. The negative is he's still striking out a lot, 28% strikeout rate last year. How do you feel about him as a fantasy option here if you're taking him here in the end of the ninth round, tenth round? What are your thoughts?
1: Straight up, who would you take? Biggio or Edmund?
0: (sighs) Oh. I think I'm taking Biggio just because I feel more safe about the playing time, but that's tough. You may get me to make a different answer if you ask me in 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, have- they're the same ADP, so I was just curious. Vigio, uh, 71 walks in 100 games. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I mean, that's awesome, especially when you consider it's his first 100 games in the big leagues. Uh, I think he's a sleeper to go twenty twenty. Not saying he will, but I think he's just a guy, an under-the-radar guy that could do it. I don't think he's going to hit for a high batting average. I think it'll probably be – I think it'll probably be a negative in batting average.
0: I don't pulls think Kevin ball. Biscio thinks he's going to hit for a high batting average. Yeah, <laughs> pulls the ball a lot into the hits into
1: the shift and stuff. But his OBP is going to be – Good enough to keep him probably up there near the top of the lineup between Bo and Vlad, which is a really good spot for him. I think his walk rate was like 14, 15 percent, something like that. So um, overall with Biggio, I don't know. I think i am taking Edmond before him, but I think it's because of the dual eligibility and the steals. And I'm just not as worried. I'm not worried about the playing time. I think Edmund's going to have outfield eligibility too, probably. Yeah. I do. I do think they're close. I wouldn't ask the question if I didn't. So, um, and I think they're fairly similar. I mean, they're a little different in the sense that Vigio walks more and stuff, but um, I think Edmund's got a little more stolen base upside and yeah, I think they're similar though. Close.
0: Yes, it's Bishio or Edmund with the batting average, Bishio with the power. Or yeah. Ed, Edmund with the batting average and steals, Bisio with the power.
1: I meant, I meant, That's what I meant to mention, too. I think Edmund will hit for a higher average, which in a batting average, like in an OBP league, I mean, I'm definitely taking Bishio.
0: Yeah. But batting batting
1: average, I'd take Edmund.
0: Bishio's got the power and the guaranteed, more safer playing time, I should say. Oh, man, I don't know which one I'd want to go on that. I really got to think about that. Yeah, it's crazy. But I really haven't thought about it because most of the time I've grabbed a second baseman in the top half and really haven't even been looking at second baseman at this point right here. Now, Gavin Lux at 158 with the Dodgers. He was incredible last year, moving from double A to the majors during the season with 28 home runs and 136 games with 12 stolen bases. Now, he did struggle at the end of the season once he made it to the Bigs, hitting only 240. And like we were talking about before, now it sounds like he may be hitting 240, or not hitting 240. He may be hitting eighth for the Dodgers, possibly, with them adding on Mookie Betts. They're a contending team. Do the Dodgers, He's they're going to give him this job, though, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh,. 23 games last year in the majors so I don't think you can take too much from that should be the everyday second baseman um I mean they basically said he's untradeable this offseason which I think saying a guy like that is untradeable is a little over the edge but just shows you what they think of him minors last year between double A AA and triple A 347 421 607 26 homers 10 steals Uh, I'm not sure that he will be one of these guys that like stands out right away as like a star, but I think he'll hit enough to stick and, you know, continue to play every day. I think when like in those games where Justin Turner is out of the lineup or injured, because I don't think you can expect Justin Turner to play quite a full season at this point. I think Lux could be hitting near the top of the lineup. I don't think he's going to take over Betts or Muncy. But, um, yeah, I could see Lux hitting, like, in the two-hole or something when Turner's out, something like that. So, yeah, he's interesting. It's it's kind of uh, of a mixed bag with me with Lux short-term, just because bottom of an NL lineup – And it's just it's not like real loud tools. It's just kind of everything else, everything kind of together to make him the player he is. And I don't know. I don't know how crazy like upside it'll be, but I think he's definitely good. And I think he's going to play. And like I said, stick in the lineup. So I think he'll be solid.
0: We have our first Facebook question. I did post again on the Baseball 365 group for questions. And this is the first one we got. I'm um, moving down these ranks, but Kevin O'Barsky asked where Lux finishes in second base rankings this year. And I'll say right now, I'll start it. I do not think he's a top ten second baseman this year. Do you, where do you where do you think he'll run finish around?
1: Uh, I would say off the top of my head, maybe like twelve,
0: twelve, thirteen. Okay. So you don't think that's a bad spot then, getting him in the 11th round here at 15, 15th no, overall no. then?
1: No, I don't think it's a bad spot at all. Because it's kind of at that point in the draft where you have to start taking some shots. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't think that he's my favorite guy to take a shot on. But if he's yours, then go ahead. I mean, I, I don't think it's bad. You know, I just... I do think he's going to play. I think part of what's kind of bled into the conversation with Lux over the course of the offseason is the idea that he isn't going to play, and I think he's mm-hmm. going to play. I just don't think that they're going to go through all this stuff about saying he's not movable in a trade for Lindor and all this other, and then not play him, Like especially after the year. I mean, like last last week when we were talking about has anyone stock risen more than Dylan Carlson's, You could argue Gavin Lux. It probably didn't rise as much as Carlson's because Lux was higher on the food chain than Carlson a year ago by quite a bit. Yes. But, I mean, he was minor league player of the year in a couple different spots I saw. So you can't really uh, diminish anything that he did last year, you know? Yeah. And he could could really be even better than I'm saying I just feel like short-term conservative with him is the way to go, but I could be wrong on that.
0: I'm going to see if I can get a as we go down these rankings. If I can get a Gavin Lux bet out of you, I'm going to see if I can pick one down here as we keep going. We'll see if we can't. Oh well, but I'm I'm, I'm going to see if I can find somebody because as I go down this list, i I I think I'm I'm lower on Lux than a lot lower than Lux on this. Okay, well, this is where I'm going to cut off part one of the second base breakdown with myself and Andrew. And we will be back in just a couple days, and we will talk about the rest of the second baseman. Andrew and I will break down who we like, don't like. We'll answer some more questions, and we'll keep giving you guys more content. Until then, take care, everybody. We appreciate y'all.